Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. We begin this morning in Los Angeles at a street protest, something that's become pretty uncommon in this era of social distancing. It happened despite social distancing directives in the Boyle Heights neighborhood yesterday. Shouting no to rent, yes to food, demonstrators said the city of Los Angeles isn't doing enough to protect renters during the COVID-19 pandemic. Tenants' rights activists want to see complete rent forgiveness until the coronavirus crisis is declared over. The California Report's Saul Gonzalez spoke with the demonstration's co-organizer, Elizabeth Blaney, with the group Union de Vecinos. People have lost their jobs. They have been forced into their homes. They do not have the money to pay the rent. So we are calling for a rent strike and for people to save their money for food instead of rent uh, and to demand from city officials, from the governor, from the mayor, that rents be forgiven. And, And I assume then you think what the city has done so far isn't enough, like eviction protection, eviction protection. The city hasn't done anything. I mean, there are moratoriums on evictions, but what happens come June 1st? All the landlords are going to start filing processes in court. So what kind of protection is that? People are not going to be able to pay a $6,000 rent debt over 12 months. That's $500 more a month. How are you going to come up with $500? Businesses aren't going to give raises. They're not going to be in the position to give raises to cover that extra. So what we really need is rent forgiveness. This morning, new data put startling numbers to the insecurity so many people feel right now. In the U.S., six and a half million people have filed unemployment claims. As the biggest state and the first to order residents to shelter in place, California had the most claims, nearly 900,000. But that might just be the beginning, as people struggle to navigate the process of filing. And the situation's even more complicated for freelancers and gig workers. They were ineligible before the new coronavirus hit, but they were promised help in that $2 trillion relief bill Congress passed last week. This morning, I spoke with Jim Seiler, a freelance television technician who lives in Rancho Mirage. Navigating it right now is a self-employed and trying to find out even if the program is up yet for the self-employed is almost impossible. There's no no place that tells you, yes, this program is active, fill out this form, this application. And so what happened yesterday when you actually started going through this process and filling out the form? Uh, how did that end up? So I got through and they started uh, asking questions about share the information about your last employer. I sat for about 10 minutes just trying to figure out how to put self-employed into it and it is it's just not an option and basically i stopped the application because i didn't want to mess it up for future possibilities and have myself in the system wrong what this tells me is that these numbers that we're seeing we just got these unemployment numbers out this morning that that may just be a fraction of what's to come my gut feeling is is that the california Unemployment edd.gov is not yet ready for the self-employed that are going to eventually wander in there. All right, Jim, good luck. We're going to stay in touch, okay? No problem. Thank you, Lily. You have a great day.
A lot of workers who are still employed are struggling to stay safe during the pandemic. Take the half a million in-home support service providers here in California. They work for county-run programs. Most make around minimum wage and get only one paid day off a year. Now they're asking for help, specifically masks and hazard pay. KQED's Sam Harnett reports. Carnella Marks takes care of her 71-year-old father-in-law, Albert, who lives with her family. He has advanced dementia from Alzheimer's, along with heart and cholesterol problems. But he was doing much worse before he came to live with them. The doctors basically told us to go make funeral arrangements. Instead, Marks brought him back to her home in Chico and got to work. Since we got him from the hospital, he's been progressing. He's walking with assistance. He's talking more. And he had lost a lot of weight. He's picking his weight back up. Marx has been caring for different people in Butte County since 2016 and for years before that in Louisiana. It's a 24-7 job with her father-in-law now. Albert is mostly incapacitated. She gives him medication, walks him around for exercise, and feeds and bathes him. When I'm trying to change him sometime, if he has made a bowel movement, he'll try to sit down in the midst of me cleaning him, and sometimes he'll put his hand back there. So if I don't catch it in time, that's more cleaning I got to do. The coronavirus outbreak has made this job so much harder. Marx is now constantly wiping Albert's room down with disinfectant that she has to buy herself. Luckily, she says she has some masks left over from the campfire a few years ago. So she's using those. Then she has to make sure her kids, 13-year-old twins, do not bring germs into his room. On top of all this, Marx says she's not getting extra pay for all the extra work. We're not getting the additional hours for the additional care since the virus outbreak, but we're having to work continuously. Some of her friends in the business say they're being asked not to work because without protective gear, they could bring the virus into clients' homes. The United Domestic Workers Union represents 117,000 workers in 21 counties. It's trying to get unemployment insurance guaranteed permanently for these workers who are getting it temporarily because of the federal coronavirus bill. It's also pushing for counties to increase pay, add sick time, and hire extra staff to fill in. Mark says not a lot of people want to do this job for minimum wage. Like I said, you working with a person with dementia, you may find yourself with stuff on you, you know, body fluids or whatever. And a lot of people don't want to work with that. With the union, Marx has been negotiating with Butte County for over five years to get a modest pay raise. To get by, Marx and her husband work additional jobs. On every weekday between midnight and 2 a.m., they clean a local community center for $125 a week. My body in the morning sometimes tells me don't get out the bed, but I have to keep going. You know, I, I have to. I love what I do. I love helping people. To keep helping people right now, she says she just needs a little help herself. For the California Report, I'm Sam Harnett. Now to a growing protest movement within a company you might have ordered a thing or two from during this pandemic, Amazon. The warehouse employees who package everything from your pasta to your toilet paper say the e-commerce giant isn't doing enough to protect them from COVID-19. Workers are staging walkouts and signing petitions demanding that their health be taken seriously. Reporter Mickey Capper spoke with workers at the company's warehouse in Riverside County. LGB3. Amazon's warehouse in Eastvale, California, is enormous. It spans from one freeway exit to the next. But all that space still isn't enough to maintain proper social distancing. A few days after California's stay-at-home order, one worker, who wishes to remain anonymous because she worries she'll be fired, 
found herself in a training group of seven or eight other workers, gathered shoulder to shoulder to hear over the noise of the warehouse. You all kind of crowd in. One, so that you can hear your trainer speaking. Two, so that you don't block someone trying to work or get in the way. Later, she got nervous each time a manager came around to her station. What if they were spreading coronavirus along with their daily rounds? In my mind, I'm thinking that person has just spoken with a person before that and a person before that and a person before that. She lives with her father, who recently recovered from chemotherapy and pneumonia, and she was afraid of bringing the virus home. So she was on the lookout for any sign of it at her warehouse. Last weekend, she found it. Not just one, but two Eastvale workers tested positive for COVID-19. But she didn't hear that first from Amazon. She saw it as a rumor on Facebook. On my news feed, they had taken a screenshot of another person's post on another news feed. Amazon eventually texted their workers later that night, but she couldn't wait to confirm whether it was safe to go to work. So she searched for more information. Amazon's United Inland Empire page had popped up kind of at the top. And then the first thing I saw was the petition. It demands that Amazon shut down the warehouse to sterilize it, pay workers during the shutdown, and when they reopen, give workers paid sick leave so they don't come to work and risk infecting each other. She signed the petition, and so did more than 500 of her coworkers, including this one, who also asked to be anonymous. Oh, I signed it. The, the, the first day it came out, I signed it. I told everybody to get our voices heard and to sign the petition to have the building closed down, to have it sanitized and clean for us to work. Because right now we're not unsure if we're going to get sick or not. She volunteered with one of her colleagues to submit the petition to HR in person on Tuesday night. She hadn't been to the warehouse since the company announced the COVID-19 cases and was shocked at how little it changed. Nobody had masks on. Nobody had gloves on. It was like a normal day. Like, nobody really cared. We went to HR. We turned the, the paperwork. And they said, what is this for? And I said, it's a petition to close down the building. She hopes next time customers open that smiling cardboard box, they think about the health of the employee who packed it. They touched it or they coughed on it or, you know, you don't know. Amazon says they're doing temperature checks at some facilities and consulting with health authorities on building closures and deep cleaning. In a statement, they also called their workers heroes. For The California Report, I'm Mickey Hopper. And finally this morning, the leaders of California's biggest university systems are loosening undergraduate admissions requirements during the pandemic. KQED's Vanessa Roncano has that story. Students applying to the University of California won't have to take the SAT. California State University is considering doing the same thing. At both UC and CSU, Prospective students won't have to meet grade requirements for core classes affected by the crisis, and they'll get extra time to hand over transcripts. That's a relief for Oakland senior Malia Johnson. It kind of like allows me to give my school a break because I probably would have like bothered them for a transcript. So now it's like I can like relax, let them figure out how they're going to do that. Students like Johnson have been worried about their college prospects as classes were canceled, and so were standardized tests. The new rules help but they definitely don't fix everything. I don't know. It's kind of depressing. I bought my cap and gown. I don't even know if I'm going to use it if we're not going to have an in-person graduation. UC President Janet Napolitano said the changes will ensure students get a fair shot, no matter their current challenges. For The California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancaño. 
On tomorrow's show, we're going to hear from a student who's already in the UC system. Noor Bouzidi is finishing up her senior year at UCLA online. She'll share with us how it's affecting her education and what she misses most about being on campus. And that's the California Report for this Thursday, April 2nd, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks so much for listening. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, offering financial planning with registered advisors and serving over 2 million people with online financial tools. PersonalCapital.com. Paint Care, now with 770 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles? The Snapchat Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them, with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles? The Snapchat Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.